Welcome. My name is Jesse and you are listening to The Wake Up Call. This show is about opening your eyes to how you've been living, bringing awareness to the standard you've been operating at, and helping you start living to your full potential. There are two ways I'll help you do this. One, by disciplining your mind, and two, by strengthening your body. It's time to take stock of your current performance and go to the next level. Let's do this. G'day guys, welcome back to another episode of The Wake Up Call. This is episode 127. Today's topic is about speed of movement. How we can make any exercise harder by changing the speed. So generally when we're learning an exercise, okay, whether it's a squat, whether it's a press, whether it's a deadlift, we have a general kind of rule of thumb in terms of how fast or how quick to move. And the way I like to describe that is it is at a controlled pace, okay? It's not fast, it's not slow, it's somewhere in the middle, right? This is a really nice introductory uh, stage for you to learn the movement, okay? To get your first exposure to an exercise, uh, don't do it really quickly and don't do it super slow either. Just do it sort of at a comfortable pace, all right? It's probably a good way to describe it. But as you start getting more experienced, as you train for longer, as your training age increases, okay? You need to find ways to challenge your body, to make it work harder, okay? Because as you know, if, you, if you're a regular listener, you understand the concept of progressive overload. You must increase the demands placed upon your body over time for it to change and get better, okay? Whether it's building more muscle, uh, whether it's losing more body fat, whether it's increasing your fitness, whether it's having better joint mobility, whatever your goal is, you have to, little by little, over time, make things more challenging. End of story, okay? Now, that's where today's topic comes in. When it comes to building strength, most trainees think that the only way to get stronger is by either increasing the load, so that's the weight you lift, or the volume, which is the number of repetitions you perform, okay? And technically that is correct. You can either you know, lift heavier or do more reps. Makes sense, okay? Now while that's true, it's not the only way to get stronger, okay? You can adjust the tempo or the speed of the exercise you're doing by going faster or slower. You can actually make any exercise more challenging. So for those of you who love challenges, who like pushing the envelope, this is gonna be right up your alley. How do I make things harder? How do I make it more challenging? I wanna to go to the next level. Cool, let's discuss speed and by how going faster or slower, you can actually make that work for you. But there are a, a few key intricacies when it comes to changing uh, speed of movement, okay? When it comes to adjusting the speed of an exercise, going faster or going slower, you know, hitting the accelerator or pumping the brakes and slowing things right down, uh, they both work, but they work for different reasons, okay? So this is the, the main differences between, you know, going fast and slow in strength training, okay? When you move slower, there is more time under tension. This means that your muscles are working for a longer period of time, okay? Every single repetition takes longer. It works all of the muscle groups involved for a longer period of time, and the set duration increases. So let's say you were doing squats, and you went from you know doing a one second down, one second up. You know your set may go from being 20 seconds, 
And then if I got you doing two seconds down, two seconds up, your set duration has just doubled from 20 to 40 seconds. So you can see you're doing double the amount of work. The muscles are working for literally twice as long. Then if I get you to work on moving faster, we are increasing what is called rate of force development, RFD. This means that your body, your nervous system in particular, it sends a message down your spinal column to the motor units. These motor units are then sending a signal to your muscles to rapidly contract as many muscle fibers as possible and as hard as possible, okay? So if you think of you know punching something, you can punch, yeah, with a light amount of effort, but then if you really wanna apply some force and hit a target, you contract things a bit tighter and your body is telling you to recruit more muscle, more energy, more tension. And that's really what RFD is. You're trying to increase your neurological efficiency. You're generating more power, more force, and it's done in a quicker amount of time. Okay, does that make sense? Now, to dissect this further and go deeper into the benefits, I wanna go through the benefits of going slower with your reps. Slowing down the speed of an exercise allows you to do a few things. First, it allows you to make micro adjustments to your technique mid rep. So if the rep isn't going the right way, if there's something that's not done to the best of your ability, you're going at a slow enough speed that you can actually adjust and modify your body positioning during every single rep. So let's say you're doing a push-up and your elbows start flaring and they're really high. You're going up through the press-up and you can feel that elbow kind of flaring and kicking out to the side. You could be aware of it and then, oh, it wants to flare. No, I'm just gonna tuck it back in a bit there. Okay, so that's where going slower is, uh, is of benefit to you. It increases your motor pattern efficiency. So what I mean by motor pattern is, when you perform an exercise, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And then there's this spectrum of everything in between. Okay, maybe when you first started uh, deadlifting, your, de your deadlift was just absolute trash. Looked like shit, felt like shit. It was just a fucking train wreck, okay? The more you practice the exercise, the more that you start transitioning from one side of that spectrum to the other. So my students know this, uh, this sequence very well. Shit, suck, good, great. When you first start out lifting weights, I can just about guarantee you're gonna be shit. I'm not saying you as an individual are shit, I'm just saying at that particular exercise, your level of technique is shit. As you start to understand the nuances and the smaller details behind the exercise, and you put them into place, you go from shit to suck. Woohoo! Go you, you just improved. And then you learn even more about it. You start understanding your body and where to position yourself and how to contract and engage specific muscle groups. And then you go from suck to good. Woohoo! Another milestone, another improvement. And then eventually you will get so good at this exercise, all of the things that you've had to concentrate really, really hard to work on and perform correctly will start coming to you a little bit more naturally. And then you start using your muscle groups a little bit harder and a bit quicker and you will eventually get to the point where you go from good to great. Does that make sense? So that's really what motor pattern efficiency is about. It's about making all of your desired target muscle groups do their job 
and all of the undesired muscle groups and joints stay out of it. So for example, in the deadlift, your lower back is a stabilizer. It is not a prime mover. A prime mover is, as the name implies, prime, so primary, first. It is not a first responder. We don't want the lower back to do the heavy lifting. We want the lower back muscles and the core and the trunk to be really rigid and really stable and stiff and tight to make sure that there actually isn't any movement at your lower back. So the low back isn't actually lifting the weight off the fucking ground, or at least I hope it's not. Your legs and your hips are doing that. But your lower back is there to preserve the integrity of your spine. Does that make sense? So initially, you might have a super rounded back. I'm talking upper back and lower back when you deadlift. Okay, you've never done it before. I give you a little demonstration. And I'm gonna just start with your really lightweight. Hey, here's 30 kilos on the barbell, or including the barbell, five each side. You know, just I'll give you a demonstration. This is what I'm looking for. And then, hey, it's your turn. You step up to the bar. You know, your back's rounded. The bar's away from your body. You lift it up. Okay. We've established your deadlift is shit. Cool. It is what it is. That's your starting point. When you first start lifting weights, if it's a deadlift, you're probably going to be shit at it. And that's okay. Nothing to be ashamed of. I'm there as well. I put my hand up. When I first started lifting weights, I was fucking horrible at it because I didn't know what to do. Took me a lot of time, a lot of you know, bad reps, a lot of trial and error, a lot of coaching, a lot of research to understand how to do things better. So initially, when you do your deadlift, you've got this super rounded back and you lift it up. Okay, I'll give you a little cueing, a little prompting, a little bit of manual adjustment. Hey, just adjust this position, lift the collarbones. You know, I'll, I'll explain how to engage your lat muscles so they can help stabilize. And then, okay, your back is a lot straighter. It's a lot flatter. Beautiful, we're putting less Pressure on the uh, the lumbar spine, those lower discs. Fantastic. You went from shit to suck. Excellent. That is an improvement and you should be proud of it. That is what increased motor pattern efficiency looks like. All right. And then we have the benefits of joint control and stability. If I get you doing, let's say, for example, it's a shoulder press. If, I, if I've given you a pair of dumbbells and I just say, hold these dumbbells on your shoulders and press them to the roof, press them you know, overhead, and you're going at a really fast speed. I've given you a light pair of dumbbells to start with just so you can get familiar with the exercise, and you just start punching like max speed, bang, poof, straight overhead. Your elbow's gonna be jarring all over the place. You might be shrugging your shoulders. You might be arching your back. There's no stability throughout your body and there's very minimal joint control. And I'm talking not just in one joint, but several. Okay, you have hyperextended elbows, so you're jarring the actual joint. Okay, so you end up kind of having this bone on bone jarring sensation. So rather than the muscles taking the strain, you're placing it upon the body's structure. Then we have the shoulder joint itself. You're getting a bit of shrug, a bit of elevation, which can sometimes lead to impingement of the shoulder, but it's not a, it's not a, and efficient movement. We don't want the shoulder to shrug up during a press. Okay, we have elevation of the scapula, which means your shoulder blade goes up and down, but we shouldn't have your shoulder kind of up around your ear. And when it comes to pressing, your lower back shouldn't move. It's an upper body movement. Your shoulder moves, okay? So the shoulder joint, the elbow moves, but I don't wanna see you leaning backwards and arching your back. Your back has nothing to do with the actual press. That's your shoulders, so your deltoids, your triceps, and it's your midsection 
to prevent your spine moving. Again, that goes hand in hand with what I just mentioned, motor pattern efficiency. I look, here's the thing. Every single exercise, I look through the lens of these are the target muscles. Okay, if it's a shoulder press, I want your deltoids to be working, I want your triceps to be working, I want your midsection to be working to make sure that you're not side bending or back bending, right? When we look at it and we analyze exercises in that fashion, we get to a very quick understanding of are you doing the exercise correctly? Yes or no? Is your shoulder shrugging? Yes or no? No? Fantastic. Are you side bending? So are you leaning to the left or the right? Yes or no? Are you back bending? So are you arching your back? Are your shoulders traveling behind your hips? Yes or no? And when we do this, your technique goes from shit to suck, suck to good, and eventually good to great. Because we want maximum joint control and stability. All right? Then we also have, it depends on the exercise this one, but we have more eccentric strength. So there's three types of muscle contractions. We have the concentric, which is where the muscle shortens. So if we think about a traditional bicep curl, you have a weight in your hand, you bend your elbow, bring it up towards your shoulder, your bicep flexes and that muscle gets shorter. That is called concentric. That's a concentric muscle contraction. Then, if we think about a Romanian deadlift, you have a bar in your hands, you're standing up nice and tall with your feet under your hips, you drive your hips backwards to the wall behind you and let your hands just come down. You may feel, and hopefully should feel, a stretch through your hamstrings, the muscles on the back of your legs. That is what is called eccentric loading. Your muscles are simultaneously being lengthened and contracting. They're doing both of those things at once, so it's, it feels like a stretch. Okay, it is because you know they're being lengthened. So if we have something like a Romanian deadlift and I've got X amount of kilos on the bar, let's call it a barbell RDL, and you just do your traditional one second down, one second up, just the stock standard, normal tempo. It's not fast, it's not slow, it's just right. It's a good starting point for you. If I get you to have a five second eccentric, and this is just a number I've plucked out of thin air, Instead of doing a one second lowering, I said to you, I want you to go for a five second lowering. So it's gonna take you five seconds to get to that same bottom position, that same stretch. So we've got the bar in our hands, we're all nice and tight, and it's one, two, three, four, five. Stand and squeeze your butt, and repeat. One, two, three, four, five, stand and squeeze your butt. Those two reps take significantly longer, thus making the muscle work for a longer period of time. Your hamstrings are being exposed to more muscular tension per rep, okay? So we can get, we can have a much more uh, focus, uh, a higher level of focus on the eccentric loading of an exercise. And then the last benefit of going slower is this, a better mind to muscle connection. This is where training for a long period of time consistently comes in. If you just train randomly, ad hoc, maybe you're a weekend warrior, you train every now and then, or you stop and start again, and you maybe 
program hop from this program to that program, and then you have another spell on the sidelines and you come back, you're not going to get much better at the exercises that you perform, okay? And it's going to slow down your ability to use your brain to connect a specific muscle group. Does that make sense? This is something bodybuilders do tremendously well. They have a really good neuromuscular connection, mind to muscle. So if it's a bicep curl, they've got a light dumbbell, they're curling that fucker up. They lift it, they squeeze and they flex the muscle as hard as they fucking can. It feels like the muscle's gonna fucking explode. It's like someone's got a bike pump and they're just inflating the arm. That is one of the huge benefits of going slower. Gives you the time to actually feel and have a huge level of awareness of what's happening within your body for specific muscle groups, whether it's a quadricep, whether it's a hamstring, whether it's a bicep, whether it's a tricep, whether it's abdominals, doesn't matter. When you go slower, it gives you more time to think. Okay, think about what? Hopefully the fucking target muscle group. So if it is that bicep curl, you know, curl it up under control, flex the arm, squeeze it, pump some blood directly into that one area. So those are a couple of the benefits for going slower. Now we're gonna flip that coin and have a look at all the benefits of going faster. All right, going faster, increasing the speed of your reps. It allows you to recruit the fast twitch, uh, the fast twitch muscle fibers. So if you wanna be fast, if you wanna be more explosive, you have to train that way, okay? I, I put my hand up, I have been guilty over the vast majority of my strength training career that I've not really worked on power and actually moving with intent. So from point A to point B. My training typically, I've really, I, I like lifting really heavy. So I like doing you know five reps or fewer. Uh, that, that's my jam, that's, that's, my, that's my zone. I like doing you know five reps, four reps, three reps, two reps, or a single. They're, they're great, they're great fun for me. I enjoy that stuff. But one of the things I didn't do is I didn't uh, work on moving explosively, all right? So if you wanna be explosive, it means you actually have to increase the the, uh, the speed that you move at, right? And you can't do that when the weight is as high as possible. So sometimes you do need to check the ego at the door and say, hey, uh, these squats are actually moving pretty fucking slow. I, I need to maybe drop the weight a little bit so I can move it from point A to point B a bit quicker. Does that make sense? Cool. Moving faster uh, will increase the amount of energy that you use per repetition. So if you are moving through your reps just at you know a casual pace, yeah, you're just going through the motions, you're using the least amount of energy possible. Your body as an organism doesn't want to use more energy than necessary. So if you know fat loss is your goal, move that weight as quickly as fucking possible. Right? If you're doing a squat, control the down and then bang, explode back to the top. A great example of doing this is hard style kettlebell training. Had a fantastic session with one of my students this morning and we're doing cleans, kettlebell cleans. And I was saying to her, the exercise needs to be explosive. The hips pop, it's violent. It's almost like you're slamming a door shut. What happens when a door shuts? It makes a loud noise and people stand up and take notes like, fuck, what was that? The same thing is uh, applicable for power training and going fast. And there's more energy there. 
right? So if you move faster, your body is required to burn more fuel to actually make it happen. It's like in your car, or if you've ever been in a high performance car, you know what I'm talking about here. You can just slowly put your foot on the accelerator. If you jam that motherfucker down from being, you know, you're just idling, and then you just fucking hit the floor, bang, punch the accelerator down to the floor, that car takes off, but the cost is a higher energy consumption. You burn more fuel to make it happen. Okay, does that make sense? Cool. Next one, uh, overcome sticking points. So this one is really important for pressing exercises. So if you wanna bench press, if you wanna shoulder press, um, or do a push press, for example, at about the halfway point of the exercise, you will get to what is called a sticking point. It's where it gets really challenging, and maybe your arm starts shaking, the rep speed slows down considerably, because that's the hard part of the rep. Getting it off the chest pretty easy. You can get it off the, the, the chest by a few inches, and then you know once you're through the middle, you can extend the elbows without too much difficulty, but it's that middle third. That's the sticking point. If you press faster, more aggressively, with a higher level acceleration, you essentially bypass that sticking point. So if you control it to your chest and then bang, punch it away, you drive right through that sticking point. And then the last thing is this. Let's say you've gotten to a weight that you're kind of stuck at. All right? You've got a weight that you're just kind of stuck at, okay? You can't really go any heavier. If you transition from going at a regular speed, so I'm not talking slow, I'm not talking slow reps, I'm not talking eccentric. If you're just doing, what's another example? Let's say you're doing a goblet squat. Let's say you've got 30 kilos and you can do four sets of eight. 30 kilos, yep. And you can do that for a couple sessions, but you can't lift the 32 and a half. Your form starts breaking down and you can't hit 10 reps because the muscle fatigue's too high. That's all cool, all right. The parameters that I'm going to work with you are accelerate on the up. Same tempo down, touch the elbows to the knees or to the, the thighs and then drive up as fast as you fucking can. If you, do, if you could do that and really focus on driving from the bottom to the top with some speed, you will find when you return to that regular speed, it's much easier in comparison. Because I just mentioned, it requires more energy to move faster. Yeah, so if I get you just to drop back down to that regular tempo, and then increase the load to that 32 and a half kilos, you'll find, hey, that's actually achievable now. I can do that. I have the extra strength because I've generated more force with those faster reps for a few sessions. All right. So, the question really isn't, you know, should you lift faster or should you lift slower? The answer is do both, okay? Because they both have unique benefits and they can both help you get stronger. If you go slower, you make the muscle work for a longer period of time. You work much more on joint stability and increasing that muscular control. Make that muscle work, eccentrically load it. And then also, if you're working faster, bang! More rate of force development, okay? Overcoming sticking points, all of this good stuff from, and you know a higher energy expenditure by moving the load from point A to point B as quickly as possible. So they both work. Do the slow reps, but also do the fast reps. 
because they'll both help you. So just to kind of uh, dovetail here towards the uh, the end of this episode and wrap things up and put a nice little bow on it, um, here's a little here's a little framework you can use. Okay, if you can't add any more load to an exercise, all right. So if you've just tapped out, you know, you've every week you've added, you know, five kilos, two and a half kilos, one point two five kilos and you just simply cannot add any more weights to the bar or lift a heavier dumbbell or a heavier kettlebell, whatever it is that you're actually doing, make the muscle work for longer. All right? I'm gonna repeat that because it bears repeating. It's actually quite important. If you cannot add any more load to the bar or lift a heavier dumbbell or kettlebell or whatever the exercise is, make the muscle work for a longer period of time. But on the flip side, if you, if the smaller or the weaker muscle groups are the limiting factor, so for example, holding onto a barbell, if your fingers, if your forearms, if your gripping muscles give out before the, the bigger, larger muscle groups, your hamstrings, your quads, your glutes, move the weight faster. Okay, so that's a really simple framework. If you can't add any more kilos, make the muscle work for longer. If the smaller muscle groups are stopping the larger muscle groups from getting uh, more benefit and more reps or lifting heavier, move it faster. And just gonna briefly go through some of these exercises um, and give you my recommendation on whether you should do them faster or slower, or both. Uh, let's start with presses. Push-ups, they can be done for both. So if you wanna increase hypertrophy, so uh, increasing muscle size, eccentric push-ups are great slowly on the negative, and then just to control the pace up. If you wanna increase your uh, power, you can do clapping push-ups, you can do power push-ups, which is where, again, control the down and then bang, explode up to the top. You can either clap or just have it where you press so, uh, press so fast that your hands actually leave the deck. Chest press, uh, both are quite uh, quite useful. Doing negatives um, on both the up end, so on the up or the down phase works well. Bench press, um, the bench press is a tough one, depending on which style of bench press, whether you lay flat on the bench, which I'm not a huge fan of, or whether you do kind of the, the arching of the back and also, you know, using the leg drive and so forth. I generally encourage, the main thing with the bench press is that you don't lose your position, whether it's fast or slow, okay? And that's, that's a little bit more of a, a complicated answer. I like a faster press, uh, a faster bench press than a slower bench press. Okay. The reason for it being is if I'm going to select a bench press for your training program, why would I do that? Generally speaking, it's because you can lift a heavy fucking weight with it. Okay. So if we want to lift a heavy fucking weight, let's lift a heavy fucking weight. If we want to move something fast, I might select a different exercise, or maybe I would use it uh, as an accessory exercise to develop the bench press after doing the heavy stuff though, all right? Chin-ups can be done, uh, chin-ups or pull-ups. Um, doing them fast is really fucking difficult. So if you don't have them in the bag already, if you can't successfully do chin-ups or pull-ups, um, just work on developing good enough pulling strength and good enough technique where your shoulders don't shrug and you know we don't have you, <laughs> you know, riding the imaginary bike with the knees coming up, or, and definitely no fucking kipping, no kipping. D don't do kipping, that's just shit. 
Um, another alternative, if you do want to do something slow, if you are working towards being able to do chin-ups and pull-ups, do negatives. So a negative, if you're not familiar, is where you would use a box or a high bench, and you would get yourself to the top of the chin-up bar. You would slowly work, walk your feet off so you're unsupported, and then you would slowly come down to the bottom. So you're basically, you're doing a chin-up in reverse. You get to the top position, and then you slowly extend the elbows and the shoulders. All right? Squats, uh, or squat jumps, I have written down here. If you're doing some kind of sport, right? For me, I play football. Our sport is very chaotic. I have no idea where I need to run, when I need to change direction, when I need to compete for a ball in the air, so forth. So if you know, if you want to do some jumps or some plyometrics, uh, they need to be done for speed. Okay, so broad jump, if you're jumping for distance, again, I'm gonna use running as the example here. You can't sprint slowly, all right? And you can't jump very far slowly. So these things require a speed element to them. So squat jumps, you can either do a little jump and increase the tension, or you can do a really fucking high jump and increase your rate of force development. Uh, kettlebell swings, uh, that's a ballistic exercise. Do not do them slowly unless you're just learning the movement. Um, but even then, learning the movement, I'll take you back to a deadlift. Uh, so swings done explosively, strong hip hinge, big glute contraction, abs are your brakes, so use them really hard. And just on that as well, this is something that I did want to mention. It's just kind of popped into my head is the harder you accelerate so or the faster you accelerate i should say the more you have to break let that just sink in for a moment right when you do your strength training exercises the faster you accelerate the harder you have to break and this is the thing a lot of people don't have very good breaks so your accelerator is the big muscle groups involved whether it's you know in your presses, it's your chest, it's your shoulders. Um, where are your brakes? Do you have anything to actually control the end of the movement? All right. If it's a kettlebell swing, sure you might be able to punch that kettlebell through, but if you're finishing with you know a C shape with your back bent and your shoulders well behind your hips, that's no fucking good to me. That's no good for your spine. So do think about that. Keep that top of mind. The faster you accelerate the more you have to be able to apply the brakes and apply them well. So it also has a timing component to it. All right. Um, heel elevated tempo squats. I did touch on squats before, but if I want to work a particular muscle group, let's say it is quadriceps, front of the thighs there, I would put your feet or your heels on a plate or on my squat ramp, and I would have you stay as vertical and as upright as possible. I could make your squats so much fucking harder all right, so let's say, for example, you use a tempo of one, one, one. You've got your dumbbell in the goblet position. It's a one second down. It's a one second pause. It's one second up. Each rep lasts for three seconds. Times 10 reps, that's 30 seconds. Okay, that's just a number I've plucked out of thin air, for example. Without even changing the weight, I could make that squat so much more challenging for you. I could make you do a tempo of five, zero, one. So you would do a five second negative, five seconds down. And if I have my stopwatch here, 
I'm gonna count five seconds. Imagine you're in the goblet squat position. You've got your weight, you're ready to squat. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one, up. Five, four, three, two, one, up. Five, four, three, two, one, up. Every rep just doubled in, in length. Went from three seconds to six seconds times that 10 reps, you're now squatting. One set of squats takes you one minute. I didn't change the load. I didn't make it heavier. Just made it, the reps so much slower for you. So much more enjoyable. <laughs> by enjoyable, I mean harder. And by harder, I mean better. Uh, Romanian deadlifts, again, I've already touched on that. That's an eccentric exercise. So we're, we're working on lengthening of the hamstrings. Um, I don't really want RDLs done fast at all, uh, unless we're working on actually actively working on improving the brakes. Control the down and then at the top, bang, pop the hips, but make sure your abs are braced hard, okay? Generally, RDLs I get done at a controlled or a slow speed. Good morning, so the same. Deadlift, 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 deadlift. Generally, just controlled. For most folks, uh, the deadlift is already complicated enough. I don't wanna add any complexity by getting you doing it really, really quickly or really, really slow. Just do the exercise as best as you can. Focus on keeping that neutral spine so you, your spine isn't changing shape throughout the lift. And that'll be plenty um, until you get to an advanced stage and then we can kind of work on making things harder from there. So really the bottom line, guys, is this. Both options are great. Do fast exercises, do slow exercises, um, and include both of them at different times. So you need the right speed for the right exercise at the right time. And the last thing I do wanna to touch on is this. High speed disguises poor movement. So when people do something really quickly, there's not a lot of time to actually look at it and fine tune it on the fly. And this is where I often ask people when they come in for an initial consultation uh, or they're doing my foundations of fitness, I will actually move them between that that uh, that spectrum of fast and slow. Um, do if I, if I see somebody come in and I'm not sure what I'm kind of looking at, I'll say, hey, just slow that down a little bit for me, and then I'll see, okay, yep, there's a bit of movement at the low back there, or oh, yep, there's a little bit of flaring of the elbow, or yep, there's a bit of arching at the back. So doing things fast while it feels like you're working hard, it can often disguise poor movement patterns and your body compensating. So compensation patterns is when your body steals movement from areas that it shouldn't and it cheats the movement. So rather than doing it as best as possible, as intended, your body finds a shortcut. It finds a way around doing the hard thing, okay? So it's not about making the exercise as easy or as hard as possible, it's about doing it correctly. So sometimes it means going faster and sometimes it means going slower. The main thing is to pick the right speed for you and the exercise you're performing. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Speed disguises poor movement. And this is the last thing I wanna to touch on guys. If you can't demonstrate an exercise with the correct technique, you have no business doing it fast. This is something that fucking drives me insane. All right, everybody just wants to get in and get out, get the workout done and then fuck off. 
How's about if you're doing a deadlift? How's about the set takes as long as the set takes? Rather than, oh, I'm just gonna you know, get my 10 reps done and fucking move on and then I can rest. No, 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 no. How's about you fucking switch your brain on and you concentrate about your technique for 10 reps? If the set takes a minute, it takes a minute. If it takes two minutes, it takes two minutes. If it takes 20 seconds, it takes 20 seconds. Stop worrying about how long the exercise is gonna take and focus on, are you doing it properly? Are you using the correct muscles and the appropriate joints? Yes or no, all right? Drives me insane, honestly. Been coaching for such a long time now. It's like, you know, are you doing it properly? I I ask people this, it's like, you know, what are you feeling? Like, oh, I have no idea. Like, which muscle groups are you using? I don't know, I wasn't concentrating on that. It's like, what the fuck are you concentrating on then? So if you're doing it fast, uh, but you can't show um, correct technique, that's a red flag. Okay, that's an issue that needs to be addressed right now. It means that your body isn't prepared to add another layer of complexity and stress to the system. Technique before load or speed. This is what I mean. Technique before load or speed. Mechanics first. Are you using the correct joints and muscle groups for the exercise? Yes or no? Are you performing it consistently? So I don't care if you can do one rep that's perfect. If you've got 10 and you're doing one rep great and the rest are shit, that's a problem. I want the right muscle groups, the correct joints involved, and I want it as consistent as possible. That means nailing as many good reps as you possibly can. Once you get the mechanics right, once you get the consistency right, then and only then will you be allowed to go to the final piece, which is intensity, making something more challenging, making something more demanding, going to a higher level, adding a level of progression. All right, speed is a variable to manipulate when you are ready, not beforehand and not just because it is available to you. It's a tool in your toolbox, use it wisely. So guys, that's all I have to say. <laughs> that's all I have to say, 37 minutes later. That's all I have to say on speed. Um, but like I said, you, you do have to think about what is the exercise you're doing and what is the what is the outcome you're looking for? Because like I said, if it's a Romanian deadlift, we know for sure the target muscle groups, the hamstrings, okay, and the glutes, they're both being lengthened. I don't want you doing it fast, right? If the goal is to, you know, work the posterior chain, all the muscles on the backside of the body, and increase muscle mass, cool. Let's fucking do that. Let's add some load. And if we can't add load, make the muscle work for longer. So I hope that gives you a bit of food for thought. Um, you can add load, you can just add volume, and you should if it's available to you and you still have the capacity to do it. But if you're at that point where you kind of, you've hit your ceiling, I just can't add any more load. I'm tapped out, I couldn't put another kilo on the bar. That's fine. Keep the same number of reps, make the muscle work for just a little bit longer. And this is something I use uh, with my students who are working on some kettlebell skills. So the example that I will use for this is the Turkish get up, all right, the TGU. Turkish get up, if you don't know what it is, uh, have a look uh, on the YouTubes or on the Google machine. I have some videos uh, that demonstrate the Turkish get up. 
as well. But essentially, you're laying on your back with the kettlebell overhead. So your arm is straight, you're holding the kettlebell in the, in the fist. And you have to, there's 10 steps to it. But basically, you go from being supine, laying on your back, standing all the way up, and then all the way back down, holding a kettlebell above your head. The progression that I have for my students is this. We build up to a weight that I know they can do. Okay, and we do 10 reps generally, five reps each side, left, right, left, right, until we've done 10. Cool. And they start out doing one second per position. So that means you get to the elbow and you hold. Hold, move. You get to the hand, hold the position, move. You get to the low sweep, hold the position, move. You get to the half kneeling position, you hold it, you move. You stand up, hold, move. And then you reverse all those steps on the way down. Once they are capable of doing that, so every single position, of which there are 10, you have a one second pause. Once that is being done and it's, it's achieved and they feel confident doing that, we add a two second pause. Roll to the elbow. One, two, move. Get to the hand. One, two, move. And so on. And then eventually we get to the three second pause. This is the part that everybody hates, I mean loves. <laughs> and it feels like an eternity. And I use my stopwatch on my wrist. I use the stopwatch um, in my pocket. Or I use the clock that I have on the wall to time it, to make sure that it is a true three seconds. Because when you start playing around with the speed, slowing things down, uh, it's a lot longer than you think it is. All right? I mean that it feels sometimes it feels like a fucking eternity. You'll be holding a position like for three seconds, and all you'll be thinking internally in your head is, "When can I move to the next fucking position?" So if you, I'll continue using the get up as an example. You know, if you're just doing a one second pause, or you know, just get to the position, move, get to the position, move. Those reps are going to take you thirty to forty seconds, thereabouts. Just one. One rep takes about 30 to 40 seconds. With the three second pause, each rep takes one minute. It's 10 positions, okay? Three seconds per position, that's a minute. And all you wanna do sometimes is fucking move. <laughs> and you can't. Because when, when my students come into training, if they're doing get-ups, I'll stand there and watch them like a fucking hawk. And I'll watch the clock. And it's going around. So it tells us when to go, it tells us the rest periods. And I'll just watch it, just to make sure that they're on time. One, two, three, move. One, two, three, move. And that's what it's like. And if I don't like the position they're in, if they're not in the best possible position, I say everybody's four, uh, favorite four letter word, hold. So they get to a position, if it's not where it needs to be, I'll say hold. They have to stop exactly where they are. I adjust, I give them some feedback, I give them some verbal cueing, to improve their position, and then I start the three count. <laughs> That's right. It's it's not just you know adjust everything. Okay, more. Okay, cool. Move. It's no no no. Okay, uh, that position is not quite right. You know, adjust the back foot a little bit wider. Okay, cool. One, two, three. Move. And it's not me trying to be an asshole. It's actually me trying to help them, because this is what happens when we start slowing things down and having these long pauses and these muscles working for such a long period of time, uh, it gets really uncomfortable. The muscular endurance uh, requirements go through the roof. And what ends up happening is they make better decisions. <laughs> 
So rather than me always having to adjust the same fucking thing, they just get it right the first time. Yeah? And this means the mechanical efficiency of the exercise goes up. They're A, more stable. B, they're in a stronger position. C, their motor pattern uh, has improved a lot more, so they don't need to make those micro adjustments. They can just get to the strongest, most stable position, bang, straight away. One, two, three, bang, perfect position. One, two, three, next, and so on. You can kind of get the drift there. But those times where I do tempo work and I get people to work on either holding a position or doing really slow reps, they're actually quite uncomfortable and it requires you to just hone in on the technique. I don't care about the level of difficulty. That sounds really rude and really mean, but it's the truth. Uh, it's gonna be hard and it should be hard because you're doing resistance training, which is by definition overcoming an external load or resistance. So if it's not difficult, if it's not challenging, uh, you're not going to get any better. You won't improve. So just understand from the outset, okay, this exercise, whatever it is, is going to be challenging physically and mentally. Uh, you may feel some big stretching sensations. You may feel a pump. You may feel like your muscles are on fire. Um, good. Means you're doing it, pro hopefully, it means that you're doing it correctly and we're working the target muscle groups. And then we manipulate the speed or the load based upon uh, your performance. So if the exercise looks great, cool. I can either get you doing it fast, if I want you to do it fast, and apply more force per repetition, so you're getting more work done in less time because you're using more energy. Or I can keep you at the same load and I can slow things right down and make those muscles work for a tremendous amount of time. Both will elicit a positive adaptation, but it's finding the right one for what you want, okay? Whether it's more joint stability, whether it's more muscle, whether it's increased strength, whether it's better uh, motor pattern, whatever it is, speed can be the avenue for you to access those extra improvements in your body, okay? So a little bit of a tangent just to finish there because uh, that did pop up into my mind and that the Turkish get up is the perfect example there um, of time under tension, you know, one minute for one rep. Okay, I don't really know too many other exercises that I prescribe for my students or even my own training um, where, you know, one rep takes so long. But it's all about control from start to finish. So I hope that gives you some ideas for what you can possibly include into your training. Um, and yeah, when you hit those roadblocks, when you hit those, air quotes, plateaus, you now have some options up your sleeve. You know, maybe it means, okay, I need to move faster. I need to concentrate on moving this weight from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Or if it looks sketchy, it feels sketchy, all right, I need to pump the brakes. Maybe it's physically and uh, physically and literally slow things down, gain some control, and then build it back up from there. So a bit of a longer episode today, guys, because this is an area that a lot of people overlook is uh, altering the speed of movement. Go fast, go slow. Um, both work, both have their unique benefits, and I hope you will use them to make yourself physically and mentally stronger. Guys, if you have any feedback, any questions, any comments, let me know on the social medias. I am on the gram, at FullerSC. So you spell that F-U-L-L-A-S-C. And on the book face at Fuller Strength and Conditioning, F-U-L-L-A, Strength and Conditioning. 
That's it, guys, for episode 127. I'll speak to you soon for another episode. And if you have any topics you would love for me to cover or any questions for me to answer, head to my website, head to the podcast page, and fill in the little um, document, and I will get those questions answered for you. But until then, guys, keep lifting the weights, keep getting stronger, keep challenging yourself, and keep getting after it. If you loved the wake-up call, found it entertaining, or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.